Hi there, and welcome to Oz Hour, the only place where you can hear everything you never knew about the wonderful and strange land of Oz. That's right. With the help of some alcohol, we will be discussing each of the 14 books in L. Frank Baum's Wizard of Oz series. As well as possibly the accompanying 1939 feature film and other derivative works. We are your hosts, Blake Stone and Wyatt Swangham. And joining us is our resident Oz initiate, Hannah Geary. Hi. <laughs> yeah. How you doing over there? I'm good. A little tipsy. Mm-hmm. A little tipsy. You well, look. You look both. No, you look great and tipsy. So <laughs> I'm good. not really surprised by that because <laughs> we've taken a couple of shots. And, but before we started recording, also Wyatt went ahead and whipped up some cocktails. Uh, so uh, why don't you tell us what you made? Tonight we are drinking Munchkinland Mules. The recipe for which can be found on our Instagram Oz Hour Podcast. Manned by Hannah Aguirre. Yes. Well, staffed by Hannah Aguirre. (laughs) She's Um. on the payroll, folks. (laughs) Uh, So, Hannah, uh, as our Oz amateur, can you tell us what you know already about The Wizard of Oz? Absolutely nothing. Except the movie and Wicked. Wicked has a couple bops that I'm, like, into. Would you say that you've watched Wicked and you know the story or that you've maybe listened to the audiobook, or would you say that you've only been exposed to a few songs? Only been exposed to a few songs. Okay, well, folks, fair. that's why we call her the Oz Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> Not denying it. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's have our first slurp of our Munchkinland Mules and get started. <laughs> Ah, wow. that's good. Refresh. The booze really aerosols right yeah. to the back of your throat. Nice and sour. It's all over my uvula, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. So. Book one, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, written by L. Frank Baum and published in the year 1900. Chapter one, The Cyclone. So let's just set the scene a little bit. Okay. We have three characters. They have distinct names. Blake, what are their names? Aunt Emily, M to her friends. Uncle Henry. Hen to his friends. Hen <laughs> to his friends. <laughs> um, and then, of course, our hero uh, of this, the first book in the story, uh, Dorothy. Right. And just for the record, we're not sure of their ages, any of them. We're also not sure where Dorothy's parents are or really anything else other than they live on a farm. That's really all we know. Yeah, and it's a small farm. They don't really have money, nor do they have a lot of resources. Um, Everything is very uh, just sad. Yeah, I'm like sniffing out tragedy right now. (laughs) (laughs) It is there to smell because in the movie, you know, you get this like this big landscape. They're sorting hundreds of little baby chicks in their hands. They have a three people on their staff. But in the book, it's just the two old aunt and uncle, this little girl, the dog, Toto, which we'll get to. And then they just have a one room house. It's a room with a trap door in the middle, which they call the, quote, cyclone cellar and presumably an attic. But I imagine that being more of a loft or storage space. So really just one room. Yeah, just one room. Prob- I, oh, I like the idea of a loft. That's kind of cute. But yeah, just like this four walled home on a crappy little farm in like far-flung Kansas. Yes. All I'm thinking is Dorothy is going to continue to have a miserable life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, based on some of the events in this, you would be quite right. She's just bred Um, into poverty without a fighting chance. Yeah, (laughs) and then sent to a dreamland. We'll see. Um, But 
the town, though, much like the um, family themselves, we don't know a lot. We don't know what it's called, but I like to imagine that little town they live in has a name. They're out on the country road. They're technically out of the city limits, but like sometimes they drive into town to go to the market. And what what do we think that town would be called? For me, it's kind of giving... <laughs> it's giving <laughs> dreary lane. Dreary. Dreary. Yeah. <laughs> Her life is incredibly dreary. Dreary lane. Or would that just be like the big street in the middle of the town where all the shops are? I don't know. Oh, that's what I'm kind of. of That's what I'm imagining. That's just like because it's it's not populated a lot, right? It's it's small. Well, we have. Well, they live in. They could. They live in bumfuck nowhere, so they can live in like Los Angeles. That seems true, but they could literally be three miles outside of the city limits of the biggest city in Kansas. We have no idea. Oh yeah, okay. it's definitely not Los Angeles. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. dreary you know lane sounds just fine then. Okay, um, I'm actually gonna go with Los Angeles, Kansas. Los <laughs> Angeles, Kansas. Yeah, blanket, blanket, Kansas, because oh, it's like okay. a warm hug. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and gray, so <laughs> yeah, a gray um, blanket. I own one. Oh, we us too. It was it has a market price of a hundred dollars. Oh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, basically though, yeah, Dorothy in the book, you know, she the whole town is gray. The landscape is gray. The well, I don't I don't know if the people are gray, but the mountains are gray. The sky is gray. It's very bleak, dreary, um, if you will. A dreary, if and we do. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that to note is that Dorothy does own Toto, which is a small dog, and she says that that's the only thing that can make her laugh or smile. So she loves that little dog, um, and he will, as we will shortly find out, he is the cause for her misfortune uh, in the coming maybe weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you mentioned Toto, I was about to just like pine on like how he's just the sweetest most loyal dog in the world but he does uh he does make a huge mistake in this moment yes. uh as everyone else is descending into the uh tornado the cyclone shelter uh, in the middle of the floor uh toto decides to run off and hide under dorothy's bed yes um, on toto and dorothy goes after him Ugh. Dumb bitch, just leave him behind. Well, she's the only thing that makes her smile in Kansas. Um, Yeah, she's pretty sad, Um, honestly. She does get it. It's like, I have the dog or I commit suicide. Exactly. Uh, Oh, yeah, it's Toto or nothing, (laughs) I guess. On the one hand, I do wish that Toto had not done this. But on the other, we wouldn't be here today if he didn't. It's true. So You're right. Because she would have just been safe. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, would have just been safe. not have been much of a story if Toto hadn't done this. <laughs> because, yeah. So basically, yeah. They're in the Cyclones cellar. Uh, Toto runs out. Dorothy runs after him. And Alan M and Uncle Henry, presumably, are screaming their heads off. And like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Uh, but it's too late because, quote, the north and south winds meet. And the pressure lifts the whole house into the air. And you know what Dorothy's doing all this time? Just chilling. Taking a nap. Uh. Yeah. She <laughs> literally, the so the house gets lifted up. I Apparently, not only is the house left completely intact, but the floor is still completely intact. So just the wood floor, I guess, just got lifted right off. That must the, have a very strong, it's not even a strong foundation. Exactly. I, it's a strong like, is everything the foundation else. just yeah. dangling well, from the bottom as well? But it can't be because Aunt Em and Uncle Henry are under the uh, trap door oh, that yeah, got left so the ground. So actually the foundation is strong. It's just the house that has no strength and got ripped off of it. Strong enough to but stay together. It does to stay together. That doesn't make sense. And I want to I wanna get the physics of it. Well, 
bad news. There's no physics for that because that's some magic because <laughs> literally for yeah, a number of hours they're flying through the air and Dorothy is just waiting and waiting and nothing happens. So yeah, she takes a nap. She goes to sleep. I get that. And that is two and a half pages of <laughs> The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's two and a half pages? Yes, in my book. That was TV in I 1900. But, yes, and, and also, yes, importantly, this is before airplanes. They didn't even have metal ships back then, I don't think. Um, they might have, but anyway, um, it's a very long time ago. But, Hannah, I have a question for you now that we finish this first chapter. Okay. And this is a trivia question. What category of tornado from F0 to F6 is required to lift a house into the sky? Okay. You just said a lot of... Th- <laughs> <laughs> you knew it. You asked me. You knew it was going to confuse me. <laughs> so let me ask you one more time. Uh, what category of tornado from F0 to F6 is required to lift a house into the sky. Um, I'm like, all I'm thinking of is like the F buttons, the F number buttons on a computer. <laughs> <laughs> like someone's like programming. Yeah. Tonight. So I'm just going to say F1 because I've used F1 before. Okay. Can you tell us what it does? <laughs> I just know that I've pushed that button before. Okay, like on accident when you're trying to hit the actual one button. Yeah, like, then I okay. have to figure when out a way to get out of there. the computer freezes and you're panicking. You're yeah. Like, F1 like, escape? Yeah. Where'd the, where'd the bar go at the bottom? Shift um, to F1. <laughs> okay. Well, unfortunately, that is incorrect. Um, the categories of tornado go from F0 through F6, F0, F1, F2, etc. F1 is almost the weakest tornado. <laughs> um, and F5 is required to lift a house into the sky. But we do have a redemption question. Okay. I didn't even know this. How fast are in miles per hour are the wind speeds in an F5 tornado? Hmm. So am I... Because right now I'm like basing this off what I know of that this tornado in this book, <laughs> not tornadoes that I've known before. Yes. <laughs> oh, the many. <laughs> You're only talking to no. I've seen tornadoes. movies. I've seen movies. Okay. So this one, I mean, especially, uh, but I guess it's real. So uh, I don't know, like fucking 60 miles per hour. Ooh. <gasps> Final answer. I'm sorry for that. You know I just gasped. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, final answer. Locked in. Let's go. To reiterate, the wind speeds required to lift a home into the air are 261 to 318 miles per hour. Okay. A, 65. That's a car. Just for the record, yeah, 65 miles an hour is, I believe, even lower than an F0 tornado. I think that F0 tornadoes, some which, F, yes, F0 tornadoes are like, like hey, I maybe have felt that before. <laughs> you probably have, especially driving, God knows. But, um, but yes, well, that was unfortunately a failure on both trivia questions. Um, and there's really nowhere to go from that, except to go to chapter two yeah, before that. I'm really disappointed in you, Hannah. We need multiple choice in the next questions. Uh, we'll keep that in mind going forward. Um, although, technically, F0 to F6, you could have chosen any of <laughs> any of those. That's multiple choice. Before we move on to the next chapter, though, Blake, what would you call that chapter if you had to rename it? Oh. And, of course, can you spell that? S H W O O 
H-W-S-O-H. That is correct. Ding! Chapter 2. The Council with the Munchkins. After our drinks. Yes, so... With the name, Oof. the namesake of our <laughs> drinks, we really do jump right in to the Wizard of Oz. And we all know famously in the 1939 feature film, uh, you know, it goes from all black and white, the beginning of the movie, and then she arrives in Munchkin Land, or well, Oz, and then it's all full color. So imagine that as we're working our way into this scene, folks at home and Hannah. Yeah, so Dorothy has touched down somewheres and she's woken up from her little cat nap. Uh, she wakes up pretty much on impact and she thinks she's survived the tornado and get I'm pretty sure just gets up immediately and just goes outside. Well, pretty much. No, like, hello, Aunt Em. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a one room house. She doesn't have to search too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, oh, I don't know. Although we don't know how. Well, we know she loves them very much by the end. I'm Your sure. New life right. starts today. <laughs> <laughs> but she does, or rather, the author says that she does wake up in a, quote, beautiful new country because she's just like, wow, this is green and not gray because basically the only thing she knows is gray and i guess whatever color tornado is which i guess is just still gray but or no the sky turns green they say but at any rate so she wakes up in a beautiful new country she walks outside toto's there i think um presumably but then suddenly she and toto see a group of quote the queerest people she's ever seen oh my god is that us well, <laughs> coming to you from 1900. This is Oz hour. <laughs> but no, it's Munchkins. It's the Munchkins, um, and I'm sure you remember them from the movie, the Lollipop Guild, mm-hmm. the Mayor. Um, yeah. yeah, they're they're a hoot and a half. I love them. They're nothing like what they are in the movie in the book at all. Do they know actually. how how to have a good time? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll find yeah. that out later. Yeah. The richest man in Munchkin land, you'll hear. Oh, yeah. They do know how to have a good time. I'm down. But they are about four and a half, five feet tall. Yeah, yeah, they're the si- I mean, the Munchkins are the size of Dorothy, who is an oh, unknown yeah. age. That's Ew, right. but and she's just like tiny, like we've, that small. We've well, argued about Dorothy's age. I feel like she's like eight or nine. I think somewhere between 9 and 11. <gasps> I know, I know, don't say it. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but importantly, the author says she is a well-grown child for her age. Granted, whatever age you imagine her as, she could be, yeah. you know. I mean, she's a farm girl. Yeah. She's lugging hay. She's the only person under 60 who I really who hope works she's not farm. 8. That's all I ask. We can put her at nine. She's too young. That's too young. It's weird Why? to be out. What were your intentions when you came here? <laughs> <laughs> well, she is probably nine. I would say conservatively nine, maybe ten. But, I mean, she's she's not super old. But the munchkins are approximately her size. They don't look like children. Like, they're obviously, like, grown people. But they're her size. Um, and also, importantly, everything in munchkin land is blue. Everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you will not the learn. Even their skin. 
No, well, not everything. It's like blue is their favorite color. Yeah, they build their yes. houses. They make in blue. everything blue. They I do see, their makeup in blue. They wear blue clothes. Yeah, um, they grow blue there. flowers. Oh, yeah, he was a blue man <laughs> living in a blue house. <laughs> I'm blue, <laughs> but that's why the drink tonight is is blue. Yes, um, love yeah. that. That's how they make their cocktails in Munchkinland. Uh, oh, I'll party with so them anytime. Oh. <laughs> Just let me know the dates. She's um, approached by three Munchkins. Uh, oh, four, four, I guess. Three men and a woman. Um, and the woman uh, comes up and introduces herself as the Good Witch of the North. Uh, if you remember from the movie, a bubblegum princess comes down from the sky and welcomes her. Yeah. This is not her. Uh, Glinda uh, is a completely different character in the book, and we'll meet her yeah. later. Well, this witch is old. She's like an old lady. She's like an old school marm, you know? She has gray hair, and but she's very sweet. I mean, but they do ask Dorothy. Um, they thank her, and they think that she's a sorceress because she killed the Wicked Witch of the East. Dorothy yes. did. Yes, well, they yes, they tell her that she did. Okay. And Dorothy is like, no, I did not kill. I did not kill. I'm anywhere between nine and 11, or <laughs> she's around the age of nine. So she's Stop like... Stop saying nine, 11. <laughs> well, Pick one. there's an and in between. But yeah, she's around the age of nine. And she's like, no, I didn't do that. But then basically they're like, look literally right over there. And she looks over, and indeed, there are two feet sticking out from her house. Ugh. Yeah. Now the Munchkins are super grateful that Dorothy helped them out by killing her because the Wicked Witch of the East has been terrorizing the Munchkins for generations. Yeah, they've been um, enslaved by her. They are held in bondage, and not the fun kind. She sounds yeah. like a dick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guess what? The Good Witch of the North tells Dorothy that her sister, the Wicked Witch of the West, is so much worse. Wow. Yeah. Also. Uh, this is actually the moment where we find out that the Good Witch of the North is not a munchkin. Because Dorothy this whole time is like, okay, there's a little old lady, there's three tiny men, like, they're all just munchkins. And then she's like, oh, well, actually, I'm the Good Witch of the North. And that was, and then, yeah, she's like, the Witch of the West is even worse than the Witch of the North, or the West Witch of the East. But whoa, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of east, west, north, south type of and shit. The north and the east, and the it, west and the east, and the east, west. west, west, west. It gets pretty territorial. It really uh, does. <laughs> I have a question. So just to so I understand, the worst witch is which way? West. Okay, and then the one that's warning her about it. Is which way? The north. witch that's warning her is north. The okay. witch that's the worst witch is west. And the one the that which witch is dead yes. is from the east. And Glinda, the good witch of the north, lives in the south. Lives in the <gasps> south. Oh, she's <gasps> sorry. No, Glinda, Glinda, the good witch, lives in the north. <gasps> no, no, no. <bro. laughs> okay. Glinda, the good witch, lives in the south. Glinda, the good witch, lives in the south. Wait, Linda the Good Witch. I really liked what you just did. That was I know, fun. I know. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I think I understand. I okay. think I get it. The one we're talking to is in the north. Glenda the Good Witch is in the south. Glenda, or the bad witch that died is in the east. And the worst witch is in the west. Yes. Right. Now, yes, the worst witch, it. which is in the west, is the sister of the bad witch, which is dead. 
In the east. In the east. Okay, so they're siblings. And then what about the good witch in the north and the witch in the south? They share no blood. Unrelated. Unrelated. Just friends. Presumably. They might not even like each other. Interesting. Uh, Have they seen each other? Do they they cross paths? They they have much better things to do. They've held Congress. They're busy. they just keep the good. Okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's hard work. Away. It's hard work. Uh, so <laughs> the Wicked Witch of the East is so old that she dries up in the sun and disappears. But something is left behind. Yes. And famously in the 1939 feature film, uh, the little stockings of the witch curl up and then there is something left behind. And Hannah, what, well, or <laughs> open to the audience, what's left behind when the witch's legs roll up. Okay, I think I got this. Um, it's going to be those those red shoes. The red shoes. Do you know the trademarked name for those by chance? The red slippers? Ruby. Yes. Ruby slippers. Yeah. But no, no, that's not actually what it is in the book. Because in the movie, yes, oh. the ruby slippers, which famously disappeared via theft uh, in the real world. <laughs> but yes, in the book, they are silver slippers, which mm. also I imagine being made of literal silver and being metal. Um, Seems uncomfortable. I agree. See, I just picture them the same as the ruby slippers from the movie, but with silver sparklies. But I like the idea of a solid silver Yeah, like no slipper. cushioning. Like for the, an evil yeah. witch war. I also imagine the ruby slippers being made of literal rubies. So, oh no. Yeah, maybe I have a messed up uh, vision or interpretation of slippers. Yeah, but, have you um, ever seen heels before? No. Like you wanted <laughs> want to weigh eight pounds. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a good foundation. But yes, the, the slippers are silver and they are left behind when the witch dries up in the sun. So this has all become very overwhelming. Dorothy begins crying. She wants to go home. And then something insane happens. And I know it's already been pretty insane in the first five seconds of this chapter, but the witch's hat balances on her nose, turns into a slate, and a piece of chalk uses itself to write... Let Dorothy go to the land of emeralds. Yeah, because at this point, Dorothy is crying and the good witch of the north is like, yeah, well, Oz is surrounded by desert on all four sides. So there's no way for you to get home. Planes don't exist yet. So you can't get home and um, you're stuck here forever. But you have silver slippers, I guess. Oh. And so then she yeah, does. She that sounds little... like the bearer of bad news, honestly. It, it She is, but it's not her fault because someone has to tell Dorothy that that land is surrounded on four sides by desert and there's no planes. So at that point, yes, the witch does the magic trick and tells Dorothy to go to the, quote, City of Emeralds, not the Emerald City, folks, but the City of Emeralds where the Wizard of Oz lives. So she tells her to go find the Great Oz so that she can get home. Um, And she gives the silver slippers that were once worn by the Witch of the East uh, to Dorothy. uh, And she provides her safety uh, by giving her a silver kiss on the forehead. Um, what does a silver kiss mean? Basically, it just shines like a little nightlight when uh, she's in danger and it makes people know that she's been blessed by the Witch of the North. And the Witch of the North, presumably, and uh. I think as evidenced by the kiss, is pretty powerful because people are like, so oh, the kiss is like you're blessed. meant for something. It's not just like, let it, me give you a little cheeky kiss. Yeah. Right. When Dorothy's in danger by man or beast or otherwise, it's always a man. if they see... <laughs> If they see the kiss glowing on her forehead, 
they will not fuck with her anymore. Love yeah. that. Okay. Also, she's, she's in my good books again. Before Dorothy leaves, the witch tells her one more thing. That the silver slippers have a charm, but nobody knows what it is. Hmm. Hannah, what do you think it is? I think that it'll be able to send her home eventually. Well, you might be surprised <gasps> at the mechanism by which it does that. Oh, by the mechanism. Yes. Interesting. So, this is good. before planes and yes, exactly. metal boats. Yeah. So the shoe okay. can't do either of those. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the end of chapter two. Um, and then at the end, obviously, Dorothy is about to be on her way. Um, okay. Blake, what would you call that chapter? Ooh, a chapter two. I'm blue, I won't ask you to spell that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, one. but because we all know how to spell it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chapter three: How Dorothy saved the Scarecrow. Yeah, so Dorothy and Toto are getting ready for their journey. Dorothy decides to pick out a picnic blanket dress. Mm-hmm. Um, Plaid, gingham, if you will, blue, mm-hmm. presumably. Or maybe it wasn't blue in the book. Uh, I believe it was. Well, what I do know for a fact is that Dorothy says, okay, first thing first. I'm a country girl. I know I'm going to need to eat. She has plenty of muscle to burn off in the next couple of weeks wandering through the woods. But she is she knows she's going to need food. So she gets some bread and butter, which I guess she's... In the one room that she has, there must be a kitchen corner or something. Yeah. So she gets bread and butter, puts it in a little basket. She goes down to a a pristine sparkling stream with no pollution and gets water just straight out of it, takes it with her. She's like, okay, me and Toto are going to be totally fine. Uh, and this is the first example of Dorothy being a badass little girl. So... She puts together her little picnic basket. She puts on the witch's shoes, the the dead witch's shoes, because basically just why not? They were given to her. She knows they have a charm. So she puts them on, um, and then they start walking through Munchkin Land, and they find that everyone is bowing to them. Her, well, them being her and Toto, because presumably they all think that she killed the witch. Mm. Yeah. Um, and Dorothy's invited to come, like, dine and party uh, with this... A super is she even old enough? Rich mayor. Well, That's on sketch. A rich mayor. The drinking age in Munchkin Land is probably Two and a nine half. to eleven. Somewhere in there. <laughs> they have very short lifespans. And also, they're all her height. So, not saying that makes it any less dangerous for her, but it would I be hard to judge her man. age. She well, was the same height as me, really, white man. But yeah, she passes the night uh, with Bach, the munchkin mayor, uh, who tells her how terrible the Wicked Witch is and how he wants nothing more than to see her defeated. Yeah. 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 Okay. And again, they've been enslaved. They're just I, I don't even know how there's a mayor. Or worse, I'm the mayor as appointed by the Wicked Witch of the East. Like, is he... <gasps> oh, man. Oh. She just... Out of the frying What's pan the to truth? the fryer, folks. Honestly, this mayor is is sounding more and more sketch. Well, the good thing is he lets her go and he does feed her and she stays the night. But <gasps> hopefully, but he also never comes back into the story. So no. yeah, interesting. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> until <laughs> Dorothy gives birth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She will. We're probably, not, oh, we're not maybe at chapter day. nineteen God. yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, they leave the 
richest munchkin in the land, the mayor's house, um, and they go on a walk. They basically told them, hey, follow the yellow brick road. They've already know. said that. They've, so they've told her that. Yeah, she knew yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then after a few miles, which I wonder how long it takes her to walk with Toto and her being presumably quite small. Um, also, a few miles is pretty big. But she goes a few miles and then she rests for a minute just on a fence, I guess. And she sees a scarecrow, importantly, dressed all in blue because that's the munchkin land style. Those are the clothes mm-hmm. you have when you're a munchkin. So if you, when you make a scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Interesting. if you were a munchkin uh, farmer, I guess, or well, yeah, farmer, uh, landowner in general, maybe you're making a scarecrow. You're painting on your little eyes. You're painting on a mouth. So basically it's a standard scarecrow. Everything's painted on. Okay. And as she's looking at the scarecrow, he winks at her winks at her yeah and i don't know if that means that the canvas folded over (gasps) into like a little like pinched wink or if the paint magically animated winked for the benefit of the audience i'm pinching my hand of the Um, (laughs) nine-year-old but i imagine this wink is maybe playful sounds like the wrong word he winks at her and he tells her good day Mm -hmm. (laughs) so his mouth moves too no A voice comes from within. I don't know. Within? It's like there's a speaker inside of him, like a like a Bose Bluetooth speaker, <laughs> just in the center of his head. You know Ew. what? Honestly, I think it would be really cool if he and Dorothy both knew ASL. Would it be better for a scarecrow just to start doing sign language rather than just oh, talking? Oh, it's both actually things are horrifying. Yeah, I don't want him to have yeah, because all of a sudden his fingers are coming to life too. <laughs> it's also a big issue because he seems to have, based on the illustrations in the official first release of the novel, his fingers look like they have absolutely no control. Like <laughs> he could, like he can blood. hold something. He can hold up like a torch. Well, not a torch. He's afraid of fire. He could hold up, you know, a cup. But I don't think he could like type on a keyboard with his straw fingers. They're all pretty floppy. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. he winks. He says, good day. Um, then there's just like a whole lot of hullabaloo, dog barking, a lot of nonsense. With like, did you just speak? Uh, there's a lot of that in this okay. book. Understandable. Um, I'd feel the same way. But at some point, you got to get used to things talking. (laughs) It's still pretty early in the story for her to get used to that. I know, I know, I know. I'm already, I'm already pissed. I hate this bitch. (laughs) But basically, she's like, "Hey, do you know the Emerald City?" And then he says he doesn't know anything because he's simply full of straw. But he agrees to accompany her to the Emerald City to see if he can get a brain. Because she's that just upsets me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dorothy offers the services of the wizard, who she has never met, who she just heard about an hour ago. Like, why are you inviting? Why are you making empty promises? Right. Yeah. To a man with no brain. Yeah. He to already knows brain. nothing. You know what? Why are you making promises to a man? Stop it there. Cut. Yeah. Print, moving on. It was the year 1900. <laughs> <laughs> but Everyone's also, though, stranger danger. Uh, a strange. Okay, it's a scarecrow. But let's just say strange man That's in the field winks at than you. Stranger danger. It's like monster danger. <laughs> That's like yes. stranger than fiction danger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh Christ. Um. But yeah. So it's overall a bad move on Dorothy's part to talk to this man scarecrow and I was just realizing I guess we don't know the gender of the scarecrow but they refer to him as a he throughout the book Um, but the scarecrow agrees to go with her which is all great and well Um, 
But there's something that we need to talk about in The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Something that some of you might not know. Something that might shock, frighten, inspire. Oh my god. Scarecrow body horror. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we almost already have invited some scarecrow body horror. I agree. We've danced Winky. around it. We've danced around he it, and winks. there's more. There's a Bose speaker implanted in his head. <laughs> there's a lot going on. He's wearing all blue. Never trust it. Yeah. Not all denim, hopefully. Um, but the thing is, the Scarecrow has some strange things about him. Um, the first thing on this series of the sub-podcast is going to be that he offers to hold Dorothy's basket because, of course, that's kind and nice. He's a Scarecrow, whatever. But the real reason, as explained in the book, is that he cannot get tired or feel pain. He never gets tired. He can do anything forever. He'll never feel pain. He'll carry it forever. That's fine. He can't do anything. The only thing he fears is fire. Yeah, understandable because he's made of straws. Yes. Yeah, he only fears a lighted match. Uh, But he doesn't feel pain and he can't get tired, which is cool for Dorothy because, yeah, honestly, he should just carry her now that I think about it. Um, conserve her energy but anyway that's where we end in chapter four though or rather chapter three and then they just go along the road from there so Blake what would you call that chapter did you just talk (laughs) oh (laughs) (laughs) all right that's memorable Uh, (laughs) chapter four the road through the forest I just want to go ahead and open this one up with a second scarecrow body horror um, moment is that the scarecrow never needs to eat. Uh, he. Well, he has no organs. That's well, that's presumably true, right? I'd assume that so. That better be true. That better be true. I think it is true. I think it's evidence later. Because <laughs> what? You but just like stick your hand in there. What? You're going to feel like an intestine. He's full of straw. He's full of straw. He better and be. And we, uh, we know and assume that because. What he says is that he could cut a hole in his painted face, but then his stuffing would just fall out. Ew. He so s- did he say that he specifically said that. to Dorothy? Yes. He's she was like, okay. being, he's being manipulative. Yeah, that honestly, moment. that's uh, somehow <laughs> a hole it's, in gaslighting. My face. it's gaslighting. It's <laughs> gaslighting. She's gaslighting. offering him food in that moment. And she's like, Don't you need to eat? And he's yeah, like, and he makes a big deal about it. Yeah, he's like, I could cut a hole in my face. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Ugh. But what is super cute and could also be considered scarecrow body horror but i don't think so i think it's so cute every time he like falls along the way because he like doesn't have muscles so he's trying to walk along the road and he's just crumbling dorothy Ugh. just picks him up she just always like picks him up and keeps walking and because he's talking. light right he yeah he's nothing yeah which makes you wonder how does he carry the basket but it just uh, dangles from him Ew. i guess so it's full of bread and water and butter, but I guess so. <laughs> but uh, they follow the road for so long, the yellow brick road, of course. Uh, they follow it for so long that it becomes like more unmaintained. Tree roots are growing under the yellow brick. Uh, it's become really ugly. They're going into a kind of forested area. Yeah. And around this time, uh, we learn about... Dorothy being made of flesh and blood because Dorothy's describing uh, Kansas to the scarecrow. She's like, oh, yeah, like it's super gray and it's super dull. And like, this is what my life was like. And the scarecrow's like, why do you want to go back there? And she was like, well, people who are made of flesh and blood always want to go home, no matter how gray and dull it is. Okay. So now she's just bragging. 
It feels like it, because, yeah. Well, he's straight up, like, Kansas sucks, couldn't imagine, sorry, sis. And she accuses him of not having brains enough to see how important a home is. So they're fighting. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're she's, fighting. Yeah, they are. He's a very Already? smart and very judgmental little shit. Uh, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I'm kind of into it, but I'm also mad. But she says, no matter how dreary and how gray our homes are, we people of flesh and blood would rather... Uh, live there than in any other country. I'm going to start saying that about myself. And you know what else she says? Hmm. There's no place like home. Wow. You can cry. I can't make this shit up. Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. He wrote it, though. Uh, (laughs) But also, and Blake, you might have to help me out here, because this is another Scarecrow body horror moment where... The scarecrow, it turns out. Hannah, how old do you think the scarecrow is? Ugh. Honestly, I would say, like, not that old if he's, like, pretty intact and able to, like, walk around and everything. I would say he's, like, maybe not even a month. Like, maybe a couple weeks. I don't know if that makes sense, but none of this makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just trying to make sense of this fucking chaos. Well, no, that makes just enough sense because, yes, he is not worn out. He is two days old. He's been alive. Well, he's been around for two days. He says, And he already knows how to gaslight. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he, they taught him early. Is a man, uh, not a man. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that I was only made the day before yesterday. Um, and this is a, just a continuation of the body horror is that basically he's like, oh, like, well, first there was nothing, but then they made him ears and he could hear. So in this moment, he is just laying there only able to hear. He sees nothing, feels nothing, etc. And they made him eyes so then he can see. So at this point, he's staring up at some man pointing his face. But then, after they allowed him to see, they strung him up in the field. And then he just lived a lonely life. But he was really bad at being a scarecrow. Well, the fact of the matter. I mean, at first, the crows were afraid of him until the king of the crows was like, hey, check this guy out. Like, He's not even a real man. We're the not king of the crows of are saying this? Uh, yes, he's telling his flock... Uh, like, hey, this isn't even a real man. He's like swooping down, eating the corn, taunting the Ugh. scarecrow, making the three-day-old incredibly depressed. Honestly, crows <laughs> are the worst. Like, yeah. I okay, I have something to share about crows. Okay, I have a crow story because yeah. they're actually extremely smart. And so this whole thing of tricking the scarecrow to eat all its corn, this basically happened to me. And I'll explain. but basically like a couple years ago i was uh in my backyard of my house my roommate just got a brand new little tiny puppy and there's a bunch of crows in our backyard like on the tree and stuff like they hang out they swoop down they do their thing and i thought that one of the crows were going to steal this puppy and kill it (laughs) (laughs) and so I decided to throw rocks at the crows because (laughs) I was just like, I I just didn't trust them. And then as I learn and tell people that like I did this thing, I did this act, 
and uh they tell me like oh you shouldn't have done that crows are like really fucking smart and they remember faces and they remember people and they'll tell other crows in the neighborhood (laughs) and they'll tell their ancestors for the rest of each generation (laughs) so it's like okay who are your friends gandalf (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were predicting what my life was about to become um a crow never forgets a face (laughs) a crow will tell the other crows (laughs) and they will kill my family that's another thing uh, that they told me (laughs) but basically a couple days after that whole incident i'm you know walking to the bus stop ready to go to work you know just chilling and then all of a sudden this crow swoops down like right by my head and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) and i look around and it's like turning around coming back towards me and then i see several other crows behind me and i'm like what the fuck and i'm remembering what this person told me and i was like i gotta run (laughs) and so uh, i just fucking book it and i'm like running and i look behind me and these crows are literally chasing me like flying and like near me swooping near my head and shit (laughs) luckily i didn't get pecked or anything and there was like another incident too where me and my like Carmel, like our friend, like <laughs> she came to pick me up and then all of a sudden all these crows are outside the house and we run into her car and then they're sitting on her car. It was literally like a Hitchcock scene or something. It was terrifying. And I started to feed them seeds and give them food and after a while they stopped terrorizing me and then I moved locations not because of the crows but (laughs) (laughs) I did move (laughs) and um I haven't had a problem since so well I will just quickly say that the crows are dicks they eat all of the corn uh and they inform the scarecrow that it's too bad he doesn't have brains brains are the only thing worth having in the world look how we bested you you freaking idiot uh no matter whether you're a crow or a man it's super important to have brains and I shit you not I will show you in red in my notes I have a question for you what do you think the most hurtful thing a crow could say to you personally would be? Um, because I was remembering this story. I think the most hurtful thing that they could say now to me after my experience was that I would never take the puppy. Oh. So everything I did was for no reason. Make you feel like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> Not in my face. What can I tell you? Hmm. They wouldn't have taken the puppy. I know. well that's chapter four (laughs) at the end of the chapter they are making their way into a super dark forest they can't see anything at all it's also probably getting dark out at this point and they're looking for shelter but then the scarecrow sees a little baby cottage where they can pass the night so then we have the last instance of scarecrow body horror in this chapter which is that the scarecrow who was never tired stood in the corner and waited patiently until morning So little about nine-year-old Dorothy is like, okay, I'll go sleep in this bed, I guess. And then the scarecrow just goes and stands in the corner and stares vacantly into the open space for presumably nine to ten hours for a child of that age would need to sleep and does nothing because he can never sleep. He like watches a spider. That's later. Oh, that's later. Well, like find something to do then. Exactly. He doesn't need anything to entertain him. He's brainless. But he could be making money. He could be working at a call center at I night. I guess he doesn't. Or he could, well, he could be volunteering with a suicide prevention hotline. <laughs> yeah. So what's your argument to that? 
Why shouldn't he? Yeah, because uh, there was phones during that time, and everyone was really struggling with depression. Hannah, when was the phone invented? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that answer. <laughs> Before we move on, Blake, what would you call chapter four? Uh, chapter four. Whose house is this? Topical. I like that. <laughs> chapter five. The Rescue of the Tin Woodman. And I'd like to open up by saying that chapter title is not The Rescue of the Tin Man. That is The Rescue of the Tin Woodman. Because it makes so much more sense. I feel like children watching The Wizard of Oz are just like, why does that man have an axe and a cone on his head? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I guess that's true, but I never thought about it. I just thought that because he was all tin he was a working man yeah that makes just as much sense and working men have that's axes what, that's what they teach us boys from a very young age yeah, yeah. you got to be a working man and you got to have an axe yeah. <laughs> and, and you a little know what? it's really hard it's really hard yeah from what yeah. i've seen <laughs> and experienced but here's uh, the thing dorothy needs food dorothy needs water she needs sleep Scarecrow finds that a little obnoxious, but he d- is a little jealous over her brains. Um, yeah. And they get back on the road. Yeah. And the Scarecrow even says that it must be inconvenient to be made of flesh like Dorothy is, which is just another. I mean, he's just on one about everything being made of meat and flesh. Yeah. There's uh, no like we like as people who have meat and flesh myself. I don't talk about that. But while. They're talking about this stuff. Dorothy's like, well, I need water. I need water to live and also probably to clean and maybe even for, well, Toto needs to drink too. Um, But she's like, I need water. So they start looking for water. um, And while they're looking, they hear a groan, a sound, a grunt, whatever. And they find a man entirely made of tin, motionless next to a partially cut down tree. Yeah, he, his axe is still raised. The tree is mostly chopped through. And there, how I said before, there's a lot of like, did you speak? Well, this time it's, did you groan? <laughs> and he's like, yes, I did. Like, I've been groaning for more than a year. No one's ever heard me or come to help me. It's, I mean, talk about horror. Um, he's been holding the axe upright. And he said for years? At least, it's been over a year. Over a year. Um Ugh. Yeah, and he's been holding that axe upright for over a year. Like, time is crazy. Um, And apparently you can rust mid-swing because he says he was there cutting down that tree. It began to rain, and he rusted with the axe midair. Ugh. Yeah. I mean... Well, don't go fucking... If you're made of tin, don't go cutting down trees during the rain. Well, he didn't know it was going to rain. But again, it calls the question, how fast does it happen? Yeah. Uh, That was a little victim blaming. That was his cabin. Like the the cabin they just slept in last night is the Tin Woodman's house. Oh, so So, they took advantage of him. Yes, they took advantage (laughs) of it. But But it's good. It's good because he's like, hey, well, he communicates somehow. I assume verbally somehow. But that there's a... Was there... I'm sorry. This is... Because they were sleeping in the cabin. He couldn't have been far from the cabin. No. 
Were they hearing his groans at night? No, not, not until morning. Night. Not that we know it. I least. guess he was far enough away that the groans he, weren't. Okay, well, that's terrifying. He probably didn't even know that they were like if they got there when it was dark enough, he probably didn't even like see them coming because mm. they like get to the hotel. And after a year, cabin. it's like who are you groaning he's probably for? not trying. Yeah, they're not <laughs> no. groaning for nobody. Yeah, I yeah. think they're. It, it was further up the road because Dorothy does. He does tell her like go back to the cabin and get the oil can, and she has to like run back to get the oil can, um, and comes back to lube him up. So I don't think it's like super close, um, but in full Dorothy fashion, you know, after they get him all oiled and lubed up, she lets him know that they're going and traveling to meet Oz in the city of Emeralds, uh, and the Tin Woodman's like, can I come along and also ask for a favor? Uh, because he needs a heart, uh, and his request is granted. Because they're like, yeah, let's just get a whole gang of people to go ask for favors from a stranger. Everyone's just asking a lot here. Like, it's true. What's the deal? Everyone's super entitled, but everyone's also had a hard life. Dorothy's an orphan who got transported to a magical world via tornado. The Scarecrow's been alive for two days and was made to be hung on a post. And the Tin Man's been rusted in his own mind for more than a year or so. Okay. And yeah. so people are asking a lot, but I don't think it's because they're entitled. I'll I allow think it. because yeah. they need help. There's a lot of stuff that has happened to them that's pretty crazy. And they're like, you know, I don't want to live a life that's like this anymore. Yeah. But I want is, something better. They're giving It is hope. pretty crazy. I mean, It's the American dream. They invite the Tin Woodman to join them. Ooh, I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> they invite the Tin Woodman to join them and his axe is like a huge help with trees and branches and stuff. Um, and he begins to tell them his story and it's kind of morbid yeah well this is where it gets weird okay so this going thing. to tin woodsman body horror or yeah. just like horror i would i would put it into tin this woodsman is just thought. horror in general yeah it's like it is it, it is it is i think it's just horror in general and it's also body horror in general okay. i'd cross post it we got it all but uh, tw tin woodman stuff um but basically so the tin woodman has neither brains nor a heart so he has neither um, which is also true of the Scarecrow. Uh, but he tells the Scarecrow that he would prefer a brain because he's actually had both a brain and a heart before. And having had both, he says that he would rather have, or I'm sorry, he would rather have a heart. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, he became the Tin Woodman because he loved a munchkin girl who he actually proposed marriage to. He wanted to build a house and marry her. Um, and the old woman who the girl lived with did not want this to happen. So she went to the Wicked Witch of the East, who is now dead. The Witch Witch is dead. Okay. Um, which old witch? Um, and she had the Wicked Witch of the East enchant his axe, because he was always a woodman. Now he's a tin woodman. Before he was just a woodman. So he was just like human, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was a munchkin. Caught. What was his name? Oh, he was a munchkin. Nick Chopper. Nick Chopper <gasps> is his name. I don't know if we find that out in this book. Though. Okay, so no, is this whole family like woodsmen? Because that seems like a very woodsman I guess name. so. That make Oh, that probably is his Chopper. surname. Chop- I bet they've Chopper. all been choppers. Yeah. But yeah, um, the, the old woman goes to the Wicked Witch of the East and she gives her, what is it, two cows, I think? She gives her something insane and very 1900 that she's just like, hey, here's two cows and like um, a parcel of milk. Will you curse the axe? And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. So the Wicked Witch of the East at that point curses the axe so that next time that it's used, it cuts off the tinsmith's leg. It cuts it clean off. He's, I guess, just 
going to chop a log and then it just swerves off, cuts off his leg. Um, but Hi. as a woodsman, he knows the tinsmith, I guess. And the tinsmith, he's like, hey, can you help me and repair this? So he does. So then he gets a leg or a tin leg. But the witch is at this point just kind of pissed and she's like, okay, I'm going to curse your axe again. So this happens a couple times. He cuts off his other leg, which is replaced with tin. He cuts off one of his arms, which is replaced with tin. He cuts off his other arm, which is replaced with tin. He cuts off his own head, which is replaced with tin. At this point, I'm not sure how his brain is or consciousness is still here, but I guess the tinsmith might be magic. And then the final thing is he cuts through his own body bisecting him entirely so he cuts himself in half with this cursed axe why didn't he stop using the axe i don't know but yeah get a new axe yeah so at that point he has come get a new job yeah Yeah. or a new girl he's so that's the other thing he's a woodsmith but he's chopping this wood because he wants to build the house to propose to this girl but at this point he has nothing left so he has no internal organs so he has no heart and at this point he's like well I he he's sad because he's like I didn't care I couldn't love the girl anymore so he just basically forgot well not forgot about her but he just couldn't fall in love with her again so he laid rested for a year in the woods on accident after the rain started um and he rested and he just waited there and was like you know I don't really need a brain I just want to have a heart so I can love again so that is just yeah. the saddest story I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. Well, it gets sadder because literally after all of that, the chapter just ends with Dorothy and Toto running out of bread. Yeah. And also it <laughs> says... Okay, so everyone's going to die. <laughs> yeah. It's literally... It's like Dorothy was like... <laughs> Better get a tin smith. Are you I, sure this is a kid's book? <laughs> I, in 1900, kids were adults, basically. I guess I saw a video true. from 19... I think 1920 recently was a black and white video of a three-year-old chimney sweep in London. They didn't put him in the chimney. He just stood at the top and lowered things down into it to be swept. But I saw a 102 year old video of a three-year-old being a chimney sweep. And that's what it would be like to be Dorothy here. She's like, at least I'm not a chimney sweep. Yeah. She's nine, but she's actually 19. Yeah. I mean, she does work on that farm. That's why she's like a buff little nine-year-old. Ew. Uh, okay, but, that's body horror. <laughs> that's body horror. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, basically, yeah. At the end of the chapter, Dorothy was kind of like not confused by what the Timmin had to say, but she was like, "I don't really know what to think. I'm just fucking hungry because our bread is nearly gone, and she's gonna die if she doesn't eat." So she's pretty much just worried about herself, which is makes sense. She's with two immortal, inhuman beings trying yeah. to help her get favors. So yeah, that's how that chapter ends, though. And Blake, what would you call that chapter? The horror. Very well. Chapter six, the cowardly lion. So the first thing I have is that they just keep walking farther into the woods. There's three of them now at this point, obviously. And well, four, including Toto. uh, And out jumps a huge lion. The first thing he does is he jumps out. He knocks the scarecrow cartwheel style across the road just slaps him and he flies through the air in a cartwheel he pushes down the tin woodman which i don't know how much tin weighs but you know it's tin so he pushes him down to the ground 
And then he you tries don't to touch eat, him. He tries to eat Toto. <gasps> You're right. He I did skip some stuff, didn't I? A few things there. <laughs> yeah, we almost lost two very important people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at this point, so yes, Dorothy is a strong country girl. She's maybe four foot five. She, you know, is strong. She runs up to the t- to the lion. She smacks him on the nose and says, "What the." F- fuck are you doing <laughs> like yes, she's like Dorothy. why are you doing like we're all like you just pushed over like our friends why the fuck are you doing that yeah. and that he should be ashamed to be attacking such small creatures when he's a giant ass lion damn and the lion is like yeah he's like hey like i was born a coward like i'm so sorry like everyone wants me to be strong and i just have a part to play and then she's like okay uh- whatever but then the lion is like, wait a minute. So like I made that scarecrow, that that thing fly through the air. He was so light. What was he made of? And Dorothy's like, oh, he was made of straw. And he's like, okay. Everyone's so interested what everyone's made of. It is interesting. It's in- Well, okay. Critical race theory. Yeah. What's inside? It's either straw, metal, or meat, um, <laughs> as we'll find out. Those are the classes. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Dorothy's like, oh, he's made of straw, and then he's like, okay, well, that thing was super heavy, and that's why I could only just push him down, and she was like, he's made of metal, and he's like, well, what's that thing made of, and he's like referencing Toto, and she's like, oh, he's a, a, a meat dog. Toto is a meat dog. Meat. Okay. He's full of meat. You I know we already don't triggered you earlier. You have to say it like that. There's just like no I need. It. I love it. But it is interesting, though, because... Then, yeah, or the whole thing about the uh, lion being like, oh, yeah, like I was born a coward, but like everyone expects things for me. And it does seem like a narrative about social expectations for men and I guess many people, but yeah. written in the from the context of a 1900s, I guess, what, 25 year old, however old Elf Frank Baum was. But on the way, uh, they start heading back down the Yellow Brick Road because, of course, they invite the cowardly lion to come and ask for a favor from the wizard, of the course. favor being courage. So on the way, the Tin Woodman. Uh, mistakenly steps on a beetle. He's just not paying attention. He's being careless. He steps on a beetle and kills it. I do want to step back and say, he's not being careless, though. Yeah, it's like a beetle is tiny. He feels like he's being careless, but I just want to think about a normal person, what you'd do if you stepped on a beetle. I'd feel bad. I don't kill bugs in the house. I don't know if I'd know. I, that's a good point, too, and I wonder how he knew. But well, is the beetle big? I've seen big beetles and I've seen small beetles. Oh, if it was the size of, like, an ant, I would feel... I wouldn't notice. Is it bad that I wouldn't feel as bad if it was tiny versus if it was big? Because I don't think that makes a difference in anything. It makes a difference to me. It does for me on the crunch. Like crushing Mm. a praying mantis versus (gasps) smushing an ant or swatting a fly. It's basically killing a human. Like killing a dragonfly or swatting a housefly. God. I think those are very different. Yeah, that is true. Oh, how awful. So if it was like a giant beetle and I stepped on it, I would have been like, oh... It, I would have okay. thought about it the whole entire day. But if it was the size of an ant. <laughs> With like a hard it, like shell. Yeah. If yeah. it was the size of an ant, uh, I so, wouldn't have even known. Okay. Question then for you, Hannah. If you crushed a beetle size of a quarter, so not super big, not super small. Okay. Would you cry so much that you rusted your jaw shut? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. And I know what you're about to say. That's some of our stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And one person whose story that is, is the Tin Woodman. Because, yeah, apparently he's so concerned that without a heart, he can't be 
like aware of how cruel or unkind he's being. So he's like, oh, I don't want to. Ki- well, good, good rule of thumb. Don't kill anything. But he's like, I don't want to kill anything or hurt anything or do anything because I just don't have a heart to tell me if it's right or wrong. Yeah, he uh, like doesn't want to toe the line. Doesn't know where the line is. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I'm like, OK, I kind of get it. I kind of get being it's like confusing. If you yeah, if you literally don't know if you're doing the right or wrong. And you thing, don't have a brain or a heart. That's true. But he has an untethered consciousness that floats around him, I guess. And he remembers being a person. So it's just strange. It but, is very strange. But that's the end of the chapter. He okay. kills that beetle and they just keep going. And Blake, what would you call that? Oh, Toto is a meat dog. Mm, all the way. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I he can't believe you even dog. bothered to ask me that question. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Chapter seven. The journey to the great Oz. So now, as you may have counted, we have all five, technically, of our crew. We got Dorothy, we got a scarecrow, a tin woodman, a lion, and then Toto, who I probably should have listed after Dorothy. Honestly, like how I am annoyed with Dorothy of inviting everyone without, you know, the great Oz's approval. But at the same time, how the fuck does he expect her to go there on her own when she's like a small person and there's all these like evil witches hanging about yeah. like well, you need some protection now also, she has man with axe impenetrable un unfeeling scarecrow and lion yeah and i don't yeah. blame dorothy for surrounding herself with powerful people and i will say it now the tin woodman and the scarecrow's lives matter mm-hmm. if you introduced me to yes. both of them told me to get across a fantasy land they'd be expendable i'd be willing to to let them die to save me. Yeah. Because I don't really fully understand their consciousness. I've been alive longer and I feel like I will continue to be alive longer. Oh, and that's true too. Yeah. That is true. I'll if, live a longer life. So I deserve no. to live. Well, they're immortal. Someone whose life really matters is Dorothy and she is starving. She still hasn't eaten. Oh, she yeah. left. Like she heard about way back when we heard about the scarecrow being immortal and made of tin. It's been like two days. She was hungry and she's still hungry and so the lion is like hey i'll go kill a deer and you can just roast it like well you can have a deer yeah it's like it's it seems frankly pretty obvious it's Mm -hmm. like the obvious decision but the cowardly tin man Mm -hmm. says that they can't kill anything to Uh, eat because his non he doesn't even eat food big deal he gets to make the beetle we've all killed a beetle before yes exactly and you know what to cry about it this is just like it's like when you go to a restaurant i've never had this experience because i don't think the vegans are bad people or annoying and i know a lot of vegans who are great i don't know any vegans who are bad but it's like a stereotype where you go to a restaurant with someone who's vegan and then you get meat and then they're like oh god that's just so gross or like oh man like i just can't imagine that it's like well did you know that you didn't order this did you know that I ordered the the chicken cacciatore because I like chicken and I eat that and I recycle, you know, and it, like it's, it's very much that where it's like, oh, Balance. Dorothy, you're starving to death at Denny's tonight. Mm-mm, no, honey, you're not getting a burger. You're not eating like mm-hmm. it's just in. I mean, it's that's not insane, but it's a little fucked up. Yeah. So but that's his. Especially his when you're on Naked and Afraid. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and also, for the record, I don't think the Tin Man's wearing any clothes or the lion. So they are actually both naked. And Dorothy's afraid, at least. Yeah, someone's but afraid and several people are naked. Dorothy and Toto uh, go to bed starving. The cowardly lion runs off into the jungle and just eats 
some deer by himself. So he himself. doesn't even invite her. <clears throat> well, no. like, because she could go off too. The thing is, though. But she does need her rest. She's a small child. The scarecrow finds a bunch of nuts for Dorothy to eat, just a bunch of like cashews or something. And to be fair, the scarecrow's not part of the problem. He that's is true, not telling true. her not to eat, but then yeah. he, he solves the problem. So this, the and, and he's not the person gonna... that's like, you can't kill anything around exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. scarecrow's been alive for three days at this point. Did he doesn't have anything. a moral compass. Did you know that when I plucked these nuts off the tree, they were officially dead? Oh, and that's... Well, don't get... Do not get me started on, on plant sentience, but I'm just the, saying you never the know. next day, they walk for an hour and they find a deep, wide ditch. And it calls it a ditch. I'm imagining like a, I'm not imagining like Grand Canyon size, but I'm imagining like 15 feet across and at least 80 feet deep. deep I'm imagining cover. like a like crevice. Dried up a cross. riverbed or something. Yes. Yeah. Like you're going to die if you fall into it. Because when it says ditch, I'm like, I used to jump across the ditch to go to my friend's house in second grade. Not a big deal. Yeah. There were snakes in it, but they were garter snakes. Okay. <laughs> anyway. That's not, they're not venomous. Um, but yeah, so they come to this ditch and they're like, oh shit, what are we going to do? Because the lion is just so afraid to cross, but he thinks he can maybe jump over it with people on his back, just one by one and like shuttle them across. Yeah. But he's, he's scared. Um, but the one thing that he's scared of is on the other side is where the Kalidas live. That is Kalidas, K-A-L-I-D-A-H-S. Hannah, trivia question. What is a Kalida? Kalida. Kalida is... Um, uh, it's a flower. You're He's afraid of the flowers. <laughs> You're close. He's cowardly. You're close. I'm close. Um... It's a monstrous beast with the body of a bear and the head of a tiger. <laughs> I don't understand how that's close, but well, there's tiger lilies, um, which was my main thing. But yes, he is basically he's like, oh, also that's where the Kalidas lives across this ditch. So he's kind of scared, um, but they all jump over one by one. Yeah, so, nevertheless, he carries them one by one, gets them across. Yeah. But um, then, after walking for a while, they just come to another deep crevasse that they cannot jump. Yes, and of course, they're like, okay, well, this one's a little too big to jump. What are we going to do? As they're trying to find a solution to the problem, who should be coming down the way but the Kalidas? Uh, um, so the Kalidas... They're like running down... Like, it's For, terrifying. The Kalidas oh, are in pursuit, but we've got time to act because here's what happens. The Tin Woodman has plenty of time to chop down a tree. Well, and at the Scarecrow's suggestion, the Scarecrow, who has no brain, is like, why don't we cut down the tree and then use it? So, yeah. Okay, so the tree guy. falls right. across the way and they all walk across it. And the, the Kalidas pursue and they get on the tree as well to cross as well. Yeah, so there's two Kalitas. Yeah, they're huge, presumably, I don't know what size. But, I'm a, well, I mean, they have the body of a bear. So the size of a, a grizzly bear, let's I'm say. I'm imagining seven feet. Yeah, I would say that's probably like from like tail to head, basically. They're probably huge. Yeah, they're Ugh. just b bigger than the lion, bigger than any of them. Probably twice the size of the lion, at least. Ugh. And so they are sprinting on all fours. They have big old claws. Their fur is just 
bristling in the wind. I saw a bear once in real life in the woods, and it was quite scary. And it was it was very small, actually. So imagine that if you can know what I remember. Uh, I won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, everyone crosses except for the lion who roars to scare the Kalitas, which worked for a second. And then they were like, we're, we're fucking huge. We're actually just going to, yeah, chase you. So they all cross and they're like, okay, well, the Kalita's going to cross too. But then the Scarecrow again is Mr. Smart Guy and he tells the Tin Woodman to chop the log on their side. So Kalita's are halfway across. The Tin Woodman cuts it. And God forbid he kills a beetle. God forbid oh the Tin Woodman God. kills a beetle. But he What's kills with the beetles hanging around everywhere? Oh, oh but I'm he just kills no. two beautiful Kalitas. Yeah, two Kalitas who are chasing them. He cuts down the tree on one on the or on the tree and they fall to presumably their death. They might even say that specifically, but they died. They they died. So the Tin Woodman who couldn't be bothered to feed Dorothy, you know, to keep her alive with a yeah. deer is going to go ahead and kill two Kalitas and hold one. Could have been Kalita on the menu if he was so willing to oh, hack him up. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he probably is pretty invincible. Yeah, is that when meat it comes and flesh there? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they are not made of straw. They're not made of tin. Those are meat Kalitas, mm-hmm. I assume. Okay. So, so yeah. now that they've escaped the Kalitas, they uh, move further down the path. And instead of a trench, this time they find a river that needs to be crossed. Yeah. The river's too huge and it's way too rapid. And the scarecrow has another great idea. Hey, Tin Woodman, why don't you chop up some wood and make us a raft? Yeah. So, I get, and I just want to emphasize here what we're seeing, right? Which is the scarecrow having a brain, thinking, oh, chop down the tree. Oh, chop down the tree now to kill the Kalitas. Oh, let's make a raft. You get the uh, Tin Woodman killing two Kalitas, which is completely necessary. And then you get the lion not only jumping everyone across the first ditch slash crevasse, and then you get him roaring at the Kalitas to try and stop them. So everyone is like, oh, I'm so scared or dumb or heartless or afraid to use my heart. And then they're all just fucking doing it. And then, yeah, and then the Scarecrow is, like you said, just like, yeah, we'll make a raft. It's easy. You can't write this stuff. Yeah. Well, you could in 1900, but not today. <laughs> not uh, today. But yeah, so the Tin Woodman saves up making a raft all night into the evening. Uh, and that's how the chapter ends. But Hannah, I have a question for you. Okay. <clears throat> and this is an open-ended, just opinion question. Okay. If tomorrow morning they all woke up and Toto had been murdered in his sleep, who would you suspect and why? Mm. I don't think it would be the Scarecrow because the Scarecrow seems to just like fucking chill at night. He's like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not exercising anything. I'm here to stare off into literal space. Uh, I don't think that it would be the Tin Woodsman because he literally lost his mind over a fucking beetle. Imagine Not killing Kalitas, though. But that's true. But Toto is loved and admired by one person. But and the Kalitas were not innocent. They weren't. They were that's chasing true. them to their deaths. So it, you know, I could understand that. Um, so I would just say the person that called Toto a fucking meat dog, <gasps> Dorothy. Oh wait, that was Dorothy. She's referring to the lion. I'm to the lion. Oh, you know what though. Toto sleeps, Dorothy sleeps, a lion sleeps. Therefore, I feel like it has to be the Tin Man or the Scarecrow or both of them. Well, I was going to say mm. it could be both of them, 
but it couldn't be one of them because the other one would see it unless the tin woodman was working so hard on the raft yeah because then the scarecrow would have been this would turn into a crime mystery you're right. This is a classic okay. catch twenty. Just as clue. If, based on your who gut killed Mister Toto? Who, who do you think killed Toto? Just on your gut feeling alone, without even thinking about it. You have five Honestly, seconds. I just really don't trust the lion. Okay, he's my least. That's favorite straightforward. Oh, what's the state of the body? Okay, we have no, to stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had thought about that. I was like, was he strangled? There's no trauma. Was he strangled? Presumably he was strangled. He's very small. And there's I'd no reason he's I'd assume like ripped to shreds. That's oh. what I thought. Okay, there's a lot of blood and hair and you know Toto's dead. Okay, it doesn't matter. Probably the lion. I think that that makes just as much sense as anything else. I don't think necessarily any of them would kill. But you have to wonder and ask. You have to wonder and, we and do. ask. And that is the end of chapter seven. Wow. Yeah. And Blake, what would you call that chapter? Hmm. There's a lot that happened in that chapter. Maybe something like, what? Oh, oops. Oh, no. Foiled again. Oh, wait. We're okay. Oh, uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, okay. No, we're good. Something like that. That was a lot that it felt like was it, happening. Yeah, I think that's a true... Like, things were okay, then they weren't, then they were okay the again. Spirit. And then they weren't. It's a roller coaster of emotions. It is. No. Okay. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Yeah. Um, but that is the end of chapter seven, and that is where we're going to finish off for today's episode of Oz Hour. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Oz Hour. We look forward to next time when we will pick up with... Chapter 8, The Deadly Poppy Field. Oz Hour, created and hosted by Blake Stone and Wyatt Swingham. Co-hosted by Hannah Aguirre. Audio production by Charlie Johnson. Theme music written and performed by Rudy Klobus. And cover art by Valentin Lucas.